Edwards, there I am. Now I'm on. I wasn't on. Hi, how are you? That was weird. Um, there's some seats up front here up on both sides if you are looking for a seat. But we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, it, I have a little after 6.30, and so we want to honor your time and the Lord's time. But um, a couple of housekeeping items. First of all, welcome to our first gathering in our um, new temporary little space. I don't know how else to say it other than we are blessed to have a space. I, I can't believe that um, it's been a year, but a year ago we could not gather on, on Good Friday because we did not have a place that would let us. And, um, and so the goodness of God in even providing um, this little place to, to be here today, and again, we'll be in here on Sunday. We're not, we were going to be outside. It's supposed to be, oh my goodness, hot outside, so we're not going to be outside. Um, we'll be in here for um, Resurrection Sunday at 10 a.m., and then we'll do our baptisms outside, but, um, but we're just blessed to um, be here, and I want to just take a minute before we actually lay out the rest of the evening just to thank the Lord for his provision in this place. So, Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the hard year that we had of, um, of a year ago where we weren't able to gather. I thank you for that sense of loss that it made us all feel, that, that caused us to want to press back in uh, more, many of us, to press back in more and more into you and into the family of God. Um, and so Lord, I thank you for the provision of this place. It is a blessing from you. Um, so we just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So tonight, I already mentioned this once, but for those of you that just came in, if you didn't get one, you want to have, um, at the very least, you want everybody needs to have a white card. They want to have a nail check and they want to have um, and they want to have something to write with and so we have some pens um, scattered around if you don't have a, a something to write with in, instrument um, there's some pens up here there's some in the back uh, but, but grab grab a pen because you're going to want to have something to write with and I'll explain why in just a minute but um, but what we are doing here so everybody has a card they have a nail we also have an information card that tells you a little bit about what's going on this Sunday in two days, and then coming up as we start our, our series in First Peter. Um, but what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do something we've never done before at Cornerstone. We're going to look at the um, seven, the last seven sayings of our Savior from the cross. So before we get to that scene that you're going to hear and see and sing tonight, I want to just remind you of what has happened already in the Savior's last 24 hours. So so last night, Thursday, he would have been in the upper room with his disciples. He would have washed the disciples' feet, including Judas's. He would have led them through what instituted communion as he led them through the Passover meal. He got up, he walked out of that upper room, and he led them to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed three times, earnestly, really prayed, drops of blood coming from his forehead because he was praying so hard, Father, let this cup pass from me. But because of who he is and because of his great love for us, he said he ended that prayer with, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. That's when the battle was won. He then gets arrested because he's betrayed by Judas they take him, they try him on a mock trial. They beat him beyond recognition. They strip him naked. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They make him carry his own cross to a place called Golgotha, 
where they nail him to it and hang him. And here's the, here's the remarkable part. And, and why these, seven, these last seven words of Christ are so incredibly powerful. He's, he's been through all I just described. He's on this cross, which, which ultimately people died on the cross, not from blood loss, but from suffocation. Because they couldn't breathe. And so he chooses his final words very carefully. Because in his humanity, it was incredibly hard and painful for him to speak. So as you hear these words tonight, like, like these are not just the only thing he could think of to say. These are very thought-through, thought-provoking words. And so what we're going to have is we'll have a song, and then a reader will read those words over you. And as that's happening, I want to I encourage you to not only enter into that space, but I want to encourage you to then, as the Holy Spirit reveals some things to your own heart, write them down on your card. Give them to the Lord. Like, like we, that's, that's really what tonight needs to be about. Guys, guys, understand this. As Carrie and I were driving here and we were praying for this service, Christ does not need your pity. Don't feel sorry for him. I know that sounds really weird, doesn't it? But the Lord has struck me so hard in the last few days. He, he doesn't need me to feel sorry for him. He needs me to feel sorry for my sin. Because he could have ended it at any moment. Do you remember in the garden when they walk up to arrest him? And they say, so are you the king of the Jews? And he says, I am. Do you remember what happened? Boom. They were laid flat. At any moment, he could have said, it is enough. I'm done. They're not worth it. He chose over and over again in that, it, on that cross to hang there for you and for I. So don't feel sorry for him, but do feel sorry for, remorse for, repentance of your sin, my sin that put him on that cross. That's what we're here to remember. And, and then, guys... Remember that, that he'll take it gladly. He's not going to make you feel bad for it. He expected nothing less. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe in him would never perish but have eternal life because God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be reconciled back to him through him. That is what the cross is. The cross is a message of reconciliation. And so at the end of tonight, when we're, when we're done singing and we're, and we're done hearing the word, you're going to have the opportunity at the end to come up and take your card and your nail and nail it to the cross of Jesus Christ and leave it there. At the end of that time, we will we, will, we have some guys that will pull all those cards off the cross. We will all together lead, go outside, and we will watch them get burned and destroyed just like the cross did for our sins. 
So let me pray to that end. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the truth that you did what you did out of an overwhelming love. That you, that you know every single sin I have committed, I will commit, that we will ever commit. And you love us anyway. Search us, O oh God. Search us tonight. Reveal our own hearts to us. You already know them. But reveal our hearts to us that we might see the things that offend you, and that we might give them to you and know that you will take them gladly. That, that we will not nullify the grace of God by somehow trying to hide our sin or, or pretend it doesn't exist or doesn't matter. Because then, because then that means that everything we're looking at tonight was for nothing, Paul tells us. You did not die needlessly. You died for a purpose, and that purpose was our salvation, our redemption, and our restoration when you come again. So, Lord, I, I pray that tonight we would just sit and soak. That we would sit and soak in the truth. That our faith in your finished work on the cross, saves us once for all time. And then we will go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of sin. which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin i
boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should Luke 23, 33 through 35. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Oh, Jesus, as we reflect on this first word you spoke, we think of those who put you on the cross. They had no idea that your death would be the end of your influence, would not be the end of your influence, but only the beginning they never could have imagined that you would be raised triumphant, having defeated sin and death. They would never have believed that before long, your name would be proclaimed throughout the world as Savior and Lord. Those who wanted to put you on a cross to end your influence would have been astounded to know that someday images of your cross would be found on every continent of the world, gloriously pro proclaiming your victory over the powers of darkness. As you prayed for their forgiveness, Jesus, those who were killing you didn't realize that you were dying so that they themselves might be forgiven. You could have saved yourself, but in saving yourself, you could save no one else. And though we were not there on that day, our sins put you on that cross. All praise to you, Lord Jesus, for bearing our sin upon your cross so that we might be as one forgiven of God. What can we offer you in response to our gratitude, but our gratitude, our worship, our love, and our lives in service to you? You deserve it all, Lord, all that we have, all that we are. Lord, help us to forgive others as you forgive us. 
Amen. Second word, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 39 through 43. One of the criminals who were hanged nailed, railed at him, saying, 
Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Nothing suggests that the man to whom you offered hope had done much to deserve your favor. He hadn't followed you. He hadn't left everything behind to be your disciple. <clears throat> he wasn't suffering for the sake of righteousness, but because of his crimes. Even he admitted that he had been justly condemned. Did he know you were really who you really were? Did he even realize what he was asking you? He seemed simply to be a dying man making a desperate plea. Jesus, remember me. But perhaps the Holy Spirit has revealed the truth of the glory of you to him in his most desperate of moments. And Lord, we are not much different from the one who cried out to you in desperation. Perhaps we don't always realize our sorry state and need for your grace. We often live as if we are in control. We might even believe we are yours because we deserve you more than those people. But in truth, we have nothing to offer you except our simple childlike faith, our trust that you can save us, and our fervent belief in the truth that your mercy outweighs our sin. Dear Jesus, remember us. Jesus, remember us when you come into your kingdom and when your kingdom comes. Amen.
Behold your son, son, behold your mother. John 19, verses 25 through 27. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus, here at the foot of your cross, in the midst of injustice, inhumanity, and incomprehensible brutality, is a mother remaining near her beloved child, even when what she was seeing must have pierced her heart with unspeakable grief. We see a son caring for his mother in his last minutes of his life, making sure she will be in good hands after his death. Even if Mary somehow understood that this was all part of God's plan, her utter anguish in watching her son suffer must have been almost unbearable. But she remained there at your feet because she loved you. The person of Mary draws us in. Her passion engages our hearts. Seeing through her eyes, we realize just how much pain was present in that moment and all that you sacrificed for her for us and for all of humanity and it makes us love you more and more so lord though we cannot literally come to the foot of your cross nevertheless we sit at your feet now utterly horrified utterly grieved utterly humbled utterly grateful and utterly filled with love for you and when we see how lovingly you cared for and treated your mother it is a tender reminder of your never-ending love for us Ashes. 
fourth word, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which means my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus, you use the first <clears throat> verse of Psalm 22 to invite us to consider your cry. Why have you forsaken me? Before you took our sin upon yourself, you'd never known what separation from the Father was like. Yet on the cross, you suffered far worse than unbearable physical pain. You received what sin deserves, separation from God, and all of the sins of the world were placed upon you. And because of God's holiness, righteousness, and justice, for the only time in your eternal existence, the Father turned his face away from the Son, and you were left alone. He chose to be rejected by the Father so that we might be accepted. Here's the wonder of grace revealed, the sinless Son of God becoming sin on our behalf and being forsaken by the Father. Dear Lord, you didn't deserve what you experienced on that cross. You didn't, but we did. We deserved the cross. We earn the rejection you received from God. But in your unfathomable love, 
You took our place and gave us your place. You died our death so that you died our death so that you might we might live your life. You had to be forsaken so that we could be forgiven and never forgotten. Amen. fifth word is I thirst John 19 28 says after this Jesus knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture I thirst oh Jesus your request makes perfect sense given all you had endured no doubt your thirst was burning bitterly and as John points out in his gospel your request enabled fulfillment of the psalm that spoke of the vinegar being offered to the one drowning in sorrow. Your first miracle in the Gospel of John involves turning water into wine, providing refreshment for many at a wedding. And then is the conversation you had with the Samaritan woman after you asked her for a drink of water. You told her that you are the living water that quenches all thirst 
not long after you invited all who thirst to come to you and drink. Now, on the cross, you were thirsty. You had the power to turn water into wine, but you chose not to quench your own thirst. You offered fresh, living water, chose to drink the rancid vinegar of death instead. You, who invited the thirsty to come, now suffer from severe dehydration. And on behalf of those denying their own thirst, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being thirsty so that we might be satisfied. Thank you for sipping sparingly that we might drink deeply. Thank you for being emptied so that we might be filled. Thank you for dying so that we might live through you by drinking from your fountain of living water, which costs us nothing, for you paid everything. Amen. It is finished. John 1930. When 
Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We wonder, Lord Jesus, how you said those words. It is finished. We expect that at least in part, you spoke in exhausted relief, sensing that your body was about to expire. Your time of torture had almost ended. In just a few more moments, your pain would be over, finished. You knew you had done what the Father had called you to accomplish. You knew you had been obedient to him, and you knew that you had finished your task. It is finished. This means nothing else is required. The transaction was completed and the price fully paid. You had borne the guilt of all humankind. You had erased the stain of sin. You had crushed the head of the serpent. You did not say, I am finished, but instead, it is finished. And the it is the grand work of redemption that has planned, that was planned from before our rebellion ever occurred. You had put this moment in motion before you even spoke creation into existence. There is no way we can fully grasp what it is finished meant to you, Lord. But we can feel relieved for the fact that your suffering was over. And more importantly, we can be astounded by your faithful obedience to the Father on our behalf. But most of all, we can marvel with overwhelming gratitude at what you did on the cross for us because you finished all the work on the cross. Dear Jesus, our new life of walking in gospel glory can begin. Amen.
Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 44-46 It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light faded and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. As we reflect upon this final word of Jesus from the cross, we are struck, gracious Father, by the fact that this should be our prayer of our souls too. To be sure, our situation is far from that of your son hanging on the cross, but even still, at the end of our striving, all our thinking, all our efforts, all of our attempts to figure everything out on our own, all our time walking in our own will, all our deeds, both good and bad. What do we have left to cling to but you? How can we possibly doubt your love for us when we look at the cross of Christ? Where else can we turn but to the creator of our souls in whom can we fully trust besides the one who gave himself fully for us? Heavenly Father, we bring our rebellious hearts to you and fully trust that we find your full forgiveness and our complete redemption at the cross of Jesus Christ.
Where else are we going to go 
but to the creator of our souls, and there find that we are fully, freely, and forever forgiven. Because he has accomplished our redemption by his blood on a cross. If you believe that tonight, I would invite you to, as a family, as an individual, however you would like to, as friends, um, take your cards. You can come. You can come up here in just a minute, and you there'll be some hammers up here, and you can nail your card to the cross. There are also tables in either corner um, that have communion trays, and if you would like to take communion, it's just going to be self-serve as a family. Um, I would I would ask you to take your cups back with you rather than put them back in the tray um, so that we can, um, yeah, just make sure everybody has a chance. Um, but let me pray for the communion, and then we will just enter into that time of response. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord. Um, I thank you that we don't need technology to know that you are a God who loves us deeply and gave yourself totally. I thank you that in that garden, you said, not my will, but thy will be done. And on that cross, you said, te telestai. It is finished. Lord, let us find our rest there. Let us find our soul rest in knowing that what we bring to you and put on your cross is fully, freely, and forever forgiven for the glory and fame of your name, Jesus Christ our Lord.